$100,000 in debt in her first year of business. Kendrick Shope shares with us how she got to that point and how she overcame it. That is coming up in episode 122. Are you tired of the traditional money advice? Me too. Bienvenida. Welcome to the Her Money Matters podcast. Join me each week for down-to-earth money conversations that will leave you with more confidence and inspiration to help you take control of your money. And you will probably learn some Spanish along the way too. Lista? You ready? Empecemos with. Let's get started. Hola, hola, soy Jen Hempel, your host. I am happy to have you here. You are going to absolutely love the energy of our guest today. If you consider yourself a spender or an independent-minded woman, this episode is for you. In this episode, you're going to learn how in her wedding, the giving away the bride portion involved Amex. You're going to learn why she butted heads with her husband for years and how that has changed. You're going to learn how she got into $100,000 in debt her first year in business and what resulted from it. And you're going to learn about a story of a woman venture capitalist that hit it big and what we can learn from it. And finally, you're going to learn who we have traditionally learned from and what the impact that can have. Now, let me share with you a little bit about Kendrick Shope. She is a creator of Authentic Selling, an expert who empowers women to make millions without sacrificing their integrity. Kendrick also hosts her own radio and podcast show in development with two market media on her own reality show and is finalizing a deal on her first book called Sell Like a Woman. Today, Kendrick runs an online sales school where she teaches women how to create massive success using authentic selling. You lista? You ready? Let's go and meet Kendrick. Welcome, Kendrick, to the Her Money Matters podcast. It's such an honor to have you here. Oh, thank you for having me. It is my total pleasure. Well, we've I've followed you, have followed you for, for some time because I have an online business. And of course, you're one of those awesome, fantastic rock star ladies out there that are really doing some great things in the space and teaching us how to run a business. And for you in particular is selling, which is sometimes for us. And I know for me personally, I've struggled with the selling part. You make us more confident and and better at it. So I'm excited to have you here. So I wanted to start with getting to know you as a person, your money story, how you grew up around money, what you heard, what you experienced, those type of things. Yeah, sounds great. I grew up in a really small rural town. Uh, I think it's one of the poorest towns still today in East Tennessee. And, uh, but my, my parents, there, there are a lot of blue collar workers, a lot of farmers. My parents were both, I guess what you would consider white collar workers. My mom's a school teacher and my dad worked at a, started in the foundry at a local business and worked his way up to actually buy the company one day. But it's funny, I would have said I didn't have a money story until I got married because we were lucky. I went to Europe at age five, at age 12. I didn't really, we had a nice living. I had a great childhood. 
I remember when my father bought the business, I was in college or, or maybe a senior in high school, uh, maybe freshman in college, but I can remember we had a family meeting about it. And at the end of that meeting, my dad said, scared money won't make money. So if we're all in agreement, we're going to buy this business. And that has stuck with me throughout my, my life from that point forward. Scared money won't make money. Now, I can't say that that's always served me well. I've probably made some really bad decisions because of that. But, you, you know, I didn't realize that I even had a money story until I got married and, and had a budget for the first time in my life. And then, oh, holy mother of God, <laughs> did I, was I like, oh, oh, I want to go back home where money grew on trees, which it really didn't. But uh, yeah, that's kind of my story growing up. I was a fortunate child. My parents worked hard and, you know, I saw them take a lot of risk that lucky for us paid off. So were there any conversations? Obviously, he mentioned scared money won't make money, which I think is so powerful. But were there any other times that you remember that they sat down with you, maybe taught you I yeah, don't know, balance a checkbook, that type of thing, or yeah. Well, and, and I will say, when I was really young, uh, things were a lot tighter. My dad was working his way up. I can remember that we had one car. We would get up at six a.m. to drive him to the airport, which was an hour away, and or five a.m. to be back in school on time. When I was a uh, sophomore in high school, I got my first checkbook. I also got my first job. I had a every year in the summer, I had to get a job. I worked at a bank. So I learned a lot about debits, credits, balancing checkbooks, that sort of thing. But I bled through money. I spent money like it grew on trees. Uh, when I went away to college, my parents <laughs> gave, everybody's going to hate me after this, by the way. My, I can remember standing in the driveway and my dad was like, here's an American Express card. It'll help build you some credit. You know, if you need something, go buy it, use it responsibly. I didn't use it responsibly. I mean, I was a little bit like Rachel on Friends. I really was. Like, that was sort of the running joke. And I can remember the day that my husband and I, so I kept those cards, cut them all up. He's like, it's time for you to grow up, sweetheart. And I mean, we had that scene from just like Rachel on Friends. And he kissed me on the cheek and said, welcome to a budget. It sucks. So I was almost identical to that, but that hadn't happened yet on Friends. Or maybe it had, I don't know. So yeah, that was sort of my my existence. And when my father at our rehearsal dinner walked me down the aisle and we were practicing, he, you know, they said, who gives this woman to whatever they say? And he said, her mother and I and American Express. Good luck. Oh, so, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. He said I, that. This is embarrassing, but it's true. <laughs> that is such a classic memory to have forever. Oh my gosh. I'm laughing. I'm almost tearing up. All right. <laughs> So he said, oh, my goodness. So you got married. Your husband said, you know, here's a budget. So what happened then? Like what? I mean, there was probably a lot of there was probably some (laughs) difficulty, not resentment, but um, reservations or just a hard. Oh, there was resentment. Okay. (laughs) Not at first. Not at first. But we got married in March. And that November, I was getting ready to go Christmas shopping. And I said to him, hey, we hadn't really consolidated everything at that point. We were still, you know, newlyweds, whatever. And I was like, hey, I need to go Christmas shopping. I need some money. And he's like, uh, what happened to the money in your checking account? And I said, oh, I spent it. Can I just have some more money? And he's like, no, that's not how this works. And if I'm being honest, that really led to several years of butting heads. Uh, I I think that my money story, somehow my love language was gifts. I think that I felt like I had it all messed up, that love came through buying things and 
and money and and when he was trying to get us on a budget, he's really smart. He's an X's and O guys, guy, we're total opposite. He loves spreadsheets. And so we butted heads and I'm strong and I'm independent. And I was like, I have lived on my own just fine. I've done just fine on without you. I could do this. We need separate everything. But separate everything led to me going broke, you know, every three months and asking to borrow money. <laughs> my goodness. Uh, now, I, I have since learned. I mean, we've been married 14 years. I've started a business. I've been in business for six years, I think. And I've made some terrible investments. And I've made some really good ones as well. But I grew up late when it comes to understanding the X's and O's of money. But what a fantastic story. I love how you tell it. Now, what happened? So basically, you mentioned there were several years of butting heads. What made the shift? Because you just said several years, obviously things changed. So what made yeah. the shift where what you were fine with budgeting, you understood more of the money management, that type of thing? What shifted? There were small shifts. I'd love to say that one day I just woke up and got it, but I didn't. I'm way too stubborn for that. So my solution was always make more money. Like it, it wasn't a it wasn't a save. It was just ah, make more money. And I worked in a sales job. I was in a corporate sales job where we got commission. So it's really easy for me to just, oh, we need an extra $20,000, sell more stuff. I mean, that's really what it was. But when I started my business, you know, I went $100,000. Well, I be, let me back up. So, I, But I began to see that making an extra $20,000 wasn't always super fun. It wasn't nice to have your rear on the line and need that extra money that you had spent to buy God knows what because you were trying to feel good about yourself. <laughs> There's probably a lot of like life coaching that needs to go on there too, but <laughs> But it came in phases. You know, um, we fought for years about consolidating every single thing together. And that was really the final straw. Like once we consolidated everything, Blake had his thumb. That's my husband. He had his thumb on everything. And we went way too far. We swung way too far to the left or the right or whatever you want to say. He would call and say, hey, you went out for lunch and you spent $34 and we don't really have an extra $34. And I was like, oh, no. Uh uh-uh. uh, you don't get to tell me if I get to go out with to lunch with my girlfriends, like back off. So there was some of that back and forth. It wasn't pretty. But, you know, it's probably a little bit longer than a few years. Eventually, I realized that saving and when the washing machine breaks or God forbid your roof falls in or you get sick or whatever, having that extra cushion is really, really nice. And it, it really makes things easier and more peaceful. And then I started my own business and spent every bit of that cushion. So we were right back at square one. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. So how did yeah. you turn it around? Because obviously you are good. You are confident. Uh, yeah. And yeah. you are good at what you do. So you've turned it around by making more money or how well, did you turn I think that around? Li- I think I, I went $100,000 in debt the first year I was in business. I am a learner. It's one of my top five strengths. And so I wanted to learn everything I could. I knew how to sell, but that was all I knew how to do. I didn't know how to market. I didn't know how to budget. I didn't know how to run an online business. And so I literally just engulfed every bit of learning I could. And then from that point forward, it was, okay, now we have to pay all this off and you spend it all. And, and Blake didn't say this, but I felt in, you know, intense responsibility to pay all this up and build off a nest egg. So that's what I did. I had a number. Uh, I treated it like a quota. I knew I needed to pay off $100,000 plus interest because it was on credit cards. And that's what I did. I hustled. I sacrificed a lot of 
self-care, a lot of time with friends. But I knew on the other side of that, this business could make a lot of money and do a lot of amazing things for us. And so the first few years were hard. It was a lot of work. But I'm happy to say at year five, we hit seven figures and uh, we now don't have debt and we now have a nest egg. And so and I understand the importance of that. I don't want to go spend the nest egg. I'm like and Blake said the other day, who are you? I'm like, yeah, we really don't need to spend money on that. So (laughs) it's just been a lifelong process. Definitely a journey. And every anybody, everybody's on their own and their pace is different. And I love that. I love how everything that you're sharing here, you're being super transparent and I really appreciate it. And it just goes to show for me personally that besides everybody's on their own journey, a different pace, it's how it transforms is so different for everyone, right? It took you a little while or... Yeah, Yeah. it just that's just how it was. And that was completely okay. And I love that. Now I wanted to dig into because of your background, uh, you know, a lot about selling, you know, a lot about the psychology, if you will. Mm -hmm. And there's differences in the selling world between men and women. But I wanted to just focus, take that and reel it into personal finance, because we know women, there's a wage gap. Uh, we're better spenders. We're even there's the statistics out there that we're better investors uh, than men. Uh, But we're not really in terms of numbers wise, there's not a lot of women out there investing, (laughs) if you will. So tell us a a little bit about what do you think are the disparities? Why is it that there's that difference? Well, I think that I think to understand that you have to go back, really take it a couple of steps back, because One of the things that's so intriguing to me about selling is everybody's in sales. It doesn't matter if you're a mama trying to sell or persuade her kid to go to bed on time or if you run a business where you actually have to sell a product or service. We are all in the persuasion business. We all have something we want to get in life. And you do that through selling. Now, you may not call it selling. You may call it negotiation. You may call just having a conversation. You, But it's all selling. You know, selling at the end of the day is, is, is persuading someone to either buy your product or come over to your side of the story or go to bed on time or whatever. And so once we understand or once we look at selling through that lens, then we can begin to look at the differences in the way that people sell. Obviously, men and women are different. All you got to do is look at us to figure that out, right? We are different. Uh, We learned that a long time ago, but part of it is socialization. Part of it is physical. Part of it is, uh, if you take those physical differences one step further, we're wired differently. Our DNA is different. And that's where the differences in saving and how we run our lives and how we spend really come into play. For example, Men like to negotiate or sell. Typically, I'm going to stereotype here through confrontation. This is wired in their DNA. It is not something they were taught to do. They may have been encouraged, but they sell better through confrontation, through a little bit of a rub. I had a boss say to me one time, you're not selling if you haven't ever been thrown out of an office. And And I literally wanted to go vomit. I was like, I don't ever want to get thrown out of an office like that might destroy me. And at that point, it, it, it might would have. But they like confrontation. They also like to be right. And that is wired in their DNA. It goes back to 
evolution and survival of the fittest. And they had to think on their feet. They were the protectors of whatever, of the women, of the whatever. They had to react really quickly and they had to know what to do. And there was no second guessing. There was, this is the decision. This is how we stay alive. This is how we stay protected. Well, that evolves down into the way they do everything, the way in which they deal with finances. These are the decisions. This is how we're going to do it. This is the way it should be. For women, we evolved completely differently. We didn't want to, if you go back to natural selection and and you go back to evolution, we didn't want to rock the boat. We didn't want to be ostracized from the group. We didn't want to take issue with the lead male or we didn't want to take issue with the other women in the group. If you think about like animals or apes or whatever, because then we were left on our own to survive. We didn't have that protector. We didn't have that hunter. And so we don't want to rock the boat. So I think that we oftentimes, and this is probably not going to be a popular comment, but we we tend to avoid confrontation when selling. We avoid confrontation when discussing husband and wife about the best ways to, to save money, to manage money. Men are viewed as more analytical. They're viewed as, you know, whether that's right or wrong, it's a socialization. They're viewed as uh, more what is it, you know, better engineering brains, better math brains, better whatever. And so it's not a far leap to say, well, you'd be better with the finances. In my house, that happened to be true, but that's not true in all houses. Does this make sense at all? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I, I agree because seeing, for example, even though in my household, I am the better money manager. Uh, my husband like is the spender and sometimes He'll think, well, I need more. Like you were mentioning, I was smiling when you were mentioning, I need more money. It's, it's spent. And your husband was like, it doesn't work like that. Well, this- before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Same thing has happened with my husband was like, well, okay, I need more money. And then I'll like, okay, this is the money it's supposed to in the military they buy their own gifts, if we will. This is something weird, but, or in, in my eyes, it's still weird. But anyway, so you, but it's tradition. And so I'll set the money for, because let's say he's deployed or something else. I, I put the money in there for him, but then he ends up spending it something else. Okay. I need the money for this gift or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, I did, I put it in there, but he just saw the money there. And it was like, it's, it's just all spending. So that's how it has been. But I mean, that's evolved and changed, but to your point of women not wanting to rock the boat, that's where I came in. I'm like, oh, he deserves it. He, yeah. I was looking for all the reasons. He, does, you know, he's out there. He's in the military. He's offending our country. He deserves it. I'll make it happen. I'll do whatever it takes, and I'll make it happen. I'll make it work because I didn't want to rock the boat, even yeah. though I would try to tell him, hey, this is your husband told you this is not how money works. My words were a little different and more endearing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. So it's, and, and so I definitely understand what you're saying because I see it in me for sure. I, I think, I think also I heard, gosh, and I, I, I wish I could remember her name. The woman who founded Laura Mercier Cosmetics, she was, uh, I think I'm going to say this right. I may be botching this just a little bit, but the point still matters. She was also president or vice president of Neiman Marcus. She's a, a venture capitalist. And she walked in. I heard her tell this story. It was amazing. She said, I walked in to a boardroom, my very first deal, a boardroom full of men. 
I was the only woman in the room and I wanted to pitch them Allie Webb's dry bar, which for those of you who don't know mm-hmm. I, I, is hair. It's getting your hair blow dry. Like that's <laughs> it, right? Blow it out. It's amazing. But it I mean, is. Can you imagine? She said, and some of these men were bald <laughs> and it was my first First pitch as a venture capitalist to this board of men who were also venture capitalists. So she works for a firm or whatever. She was new to the team. And I think that this is a key for women in sales, women with finances, women negotiating anything. Rather than shying away from the fact that she was obviously different, she obviously was going to think about this differently. She owned up to this. And this is one of the ways I tell people to be the most persuasive person in the room is figure out where you're different. For her, it wasn't hard. And play that to your strength. Now, I'm not, I don't mean wear stiletto heels and the shortest skirt you can find. Obviously, we're different physically. But what she did was she walked in the room and she said, I'm going to mess this up. But you'll, the, the point is still the same. Look, this is my first deal. I'm the only woman in the room. And 10 years ago, if I'd have walked in here and said, I want you to invest in a coffee company, you would have thrown me out and thought I was crazy. Who would be laughing now? Because that would have been Starbucks. Mm -hmm. So I want you to keep that in mind when I pitch this deal to you. When I tell you why we should invest in Allie Webb's dry bar. And she said, and rather than think, she's a woman. She doesn't get venture capitalism. She's a makeup person. I want you to think she's a woman. She knows something about hair and about beauty that we don't. And we can get rich off of it. And by God, they did. They agreed to invest in Allie Webb's business and they took it from, you know, I don't remember what it was at the time. She told us maybe a, I don't know, I don't remember, $50 million business to a billion dollar business, or maybe it was $5 million business to $50 million. But she just stepped in and owned her place in the room and and, and acknowledged that, hey, I'm different. And you may want to think I'm crazy, but you're making a big mistake if you do that. And that's one of the things I love about that story because there's so much learning there. Oh, absolutely. So basically, if we were to break down how she approached it, you mentioned she figured out how she was different, which she was a female, Uh, play the strengths, which is she knows about hair and how this could be, that would be right. Uh, And then she used the that as to persuade them to make the deal. Is that how you would break it down? Or yeah, I would add one other step. She knew where they were going to object. She knew uh, that they were going to would say, you're crazy. No, there's no money in a woman getting their hair blown out. Are you insane? So sh- what she did was she found another example of an insane sounding investment, investing in a company that makes coffee when you can brew it right here in your house. Mm-hmm. And so what she did was she made it really visual for them. She made it really tangible. And I'm sure every investor in the room thought, yeah, man, I would have liked to have been in on that Starbucks thing. And then she said, basically, without saying it, she said, if you pass on this, you're essentially passing on the next Starbucks. Right. That's awesome. I love that story. So obviously, that's shown a lot of confidence. And with money, for some reason, even though, like I mentioned, we're better in their statistics of being better in uh, investors, uh, spenders. Obviously, we're good spenders, especially if with all mm-hmm. these marketing done towards women, right? Yeah. Uh, so based on these things, uh, or where even women are just better budgeters, but there's still a lack of confidence when it comes to money. And I see it day in and day out. What do you think, and you mentioned the the differences of men and women, what do you think tends 
I mean, it's probably a combination of things tends to drive that. Well, I think the first thing is that women for and and this is uh, no, nobody's doing anything wrong here. But 30 years ago, it would have been longer than that, probably because I'm 40. So 40 plus years ago when women actually entered the workforce. So post World War Two. You know, the men came back, they went back to work. We went back in the home as women. But then in the, you know, late 60s, early 70s, whenever women entered the workforce and there was a, there was a huge shift in the gender, whatever you want to call it. You know, the, the women are getting college degrees. They're working. But the only people we had to learn from were men. The only people we had to teach us how to sell, how to market, how to whatever jobs we were entering into were men, because those were the only people who had done it before. I believe, it is my belief, that the way a man does something is not necessarily the way a woman is going to excel. Sometimes it can feel, uh, for, let's take selling, for example. You know, I, my whole business is, is is sell like a woman. Now, yes, you can sell like a man, but for a lot of women, that feels off to them. It feels icky, sleazy, slimy, gross. So how about we learn to sell in a way that is geared towards Females, same thing with investing. I think that you lose your confidence when you're being or, or managing money. You lose your confidence when you're being asked to do things, not that are unethical. That's not what I mean at all. But when you're being asked to do things that don't make sense in your brain or is not the way you would do them. But we are the queens of self-sabotage. And so, well, men have been doing this. I learned from him. He must know what he's doing. I think that we shoot ourselves in the foot and we try to do things the way that we've been taught to do. And I think that there may be a more feminine approach, which is what you do to managing money that works for women, that allows them to be more confident. That is so powerful right there because, and, and it is true. And I never thought about it in that perspective that uh, when there is that shift of Per, of women going into the workforce, they were learning from men. And obviously the perspective, how they do things is different. So this is a great reason for us women to own our gifts, us women to own what we love to do and share that message. Like you're sharing it in the sense of uh, helping women become better sale, uh, selling and becomes better in selling and being more confident and being uh, really good at it. And, and that really confirms, I'm like, well, I'm doing something right with this podcast. It's coming from me. It's coming from a, the perspective of Absolutely. a woman and all the other women out there sharing that, that message. So I find that so powerful and never thought about it from that, that we're lear- we have learned. That's all. I mean, basically it's just men and women. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. Look at the perspective you bring just that you shared on this show. You talked about, you know, you are the better person with finances in your house. But rather than do what a typical man would do, which is say this is not the way we do things. This is not the way money works. What did you do? You didn't do anything wrong. You just mm -hmm. handled it the way a woman would handle it. Right. And and that's okay. And then and then you found, you know, like I said, it's all a journey. It's all an evolution. You found a way that works for you and your home. But if you're not out there putting this message out, then we only and this is not a men against women thing. Right. Absolutely. But we do things differently. So if we're only hearing people say this is not how we do things. We do things like this only. And you're thinking, but this only makes me want to crawl in a hole and hide. Then what are we going to do? We're not going to manage our money right. So I love the spin of her money matters. It's huge. Thank you. Thank you so much. And 
No, I appreciate that. No, I really love that perspective because I know, and I don't get it a lot because I think how I've communicated has been okay. I don't get a lot. Well, why just for women? I don't, I think I pretty much from the get go, how you mentioned this lady knew what the objections were. I knew that was going to be an objection. So I think I handled it from the first episode, but what you said, I think is just so empowering, like I mentioned, uh, as women, and I completely love that that so much so that I'm at a lack of words right now. (laughs) (laughs) A lack of words, because I'm like, wow, that is really powerful. It gets me thinking. And then once I get thinking, I'm like, I'm all over the place. So oh, my goodness. Uh, This has been absolutely fantastic. And I can't tell you how much of a pleasure it's been to connect with you. I know when your assistant sent me an email, she had mentioned, well, it was basically, of course, she had to uh, email me in a way that didn't assume that I knew you. I'm like, are you kidding me? Of course, I know who she is. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. You were one of the people my media team gave me a, a, a list, a, a blank sheet of paper at the beginning of the year and said, identify your list of places you want to be. And so I was like, I, this is, I want to be here. So thank you oh, for giving me this. Oh, no, that was such a pleasure. Well, I'm honored that I made that list. So thank you so much. So Kendrick, as you know, this podcast is about making money simple and taking control of it. So how would you finish this sentence? Her money matters because... Yeah, what a great question. Her money matters because... Well, it's going to be a really long compound sentence. It's probably not grammatically correct. <laughs> You're fine. We're, we're podcasting here. Number one, her money matters because money is the currency through which we move through life. You know, you may not like it, but it is. It's the way that you take your child on trips and give experiences. And it's the way that you start a business. And it's the way that you put a roof over your head. And so money matters. And and I think that we need to quit acting like, oh, if you're into money, then you're not self-aware and you're not bullcrap. That's that's baloney. Of course, I'm into money. Money pays for my house and my clothes. Of course, (laughs) money matters. Doesn't mean that the other things don't matter. So that's number one. Number two is exactly what we talked about. It's the her in money matters. It's that you can be it's okay to be the smartest person in the room. It's okay to manage money differently than the man who came before you or the man in your house. And it's all a journey. And what works for you matters. And the way that you want to do it is the way that you should follow. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. That's fantastic. Well, Kendrick, again, it's been such a pleasure having you on this podcast. Thank you. It's my total pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's a true honor. I told you, didn't I? Kendrick is just really fantastic to speak to. So I hope that you enjoyed listening our chat with her. Now, I have some thoughts on today's episode that I want to share with you. But before I want to do this week's shout out or la mención as we have been calling it. And this week, it goes to Christina. She has been so diligent in saving for her future car. And guess what? She recently shared that she was going to purchase this new car with the cash that she had saved in her account, specifically for this car purchase. So hence, no car loan. How amazing is that? So Christina, a big high five for achieving that because I know you've been working extra hard on that. 
Now let's go back to the show real quick. I really loved, well, of course, I loved everything Kendrick had to say, but the part that I want to focus on is the aspect of how we have just men that we have learned from, right? That from the beginning of time, this is who we learn from, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm not saying there's anything bad with that. But we know that the way the man does something is not the same way that the women do. So I want to just want you to keep that in mind, because when it comes to our financial education, when it comes to talking to a financial planner, all that information, where has it come from? Where that has that come from? A man. So that's a really, really something to think about. And again, there's nothing wrong with how it's taught, but it's taught, it is written, it is created from the perspective and from the thinking of a man and not how we think, not how we learn as women, if you will. So I just wanted for you to keep that in mind because I just thought that was so interesting. Now, the other part that I thought was super interesting was the story of the venture capitalist and how she literally sold the concept of a dry bar that as women we think is fantastic to a group of bald men. How amazing is that? So it's just some things that we can learn from to learn how we can be different how we can play our strengths and know the objections and anything. And I know this was a venture capitalist, but I think we can apply this in our life, whether we're at a job and we want to negotiate a raise or we're trying to get a new job. Those type of things are some things that we, I think strongly that we can uh, definitely learn from. Now, If you really enjoyed our chat with Kendrick today, she has a fabulous free community that you can join. It is really uh, focused on selling. So if you're a business owner or authentic selling, as she says, uh, definitely join that. It's just called the Authentic Selling Community. And I'll be sure to have a link in the show notes for that. Now, if you've been wanting to get more one-on-one help, with your money and are wanting to get 2018 started off strong, now is the time. The investment what you make with someone like myself is nothing to be scared of. And even more, the knowledge that you will get will last you a lifetime. Now that is a great return on investment. If you have been DIYing it for a while, if you've been doing this on your own for a while, and you are still feeling overwhelmed and have not moved the needle in your financial life, but you feel like you've been doing all the things right, I'd be honored to work with you. And just because you're a listener of this podcast and that you have listened all the way to the end, make sure to mention this episode number, which is episode 122, and I'll be giving you a special gift when we start working together. To grab your spot in my coaching program, you can fill out the application over at jenhempill.com forward slash application. Now, next week, our new episode will fall on the day of Thanksgiving. And I have a special episode lined up for that day where myself and two special ladies share an experience that we had for a few hours where we were immersed in the environment where the underbank population is doing those financial transactions. So it was an eye-opening experience and it felt fitting 
for the Thanksgiving day, as it is a time to be thankful for what we have, even if maybe our financial situation is not the best. So that is a wrap for today. I want to thank Kendrick for joining us and being so amazing. Be sure to check out the show notes on where to find Kendrick over at jenhemphill.com forward slash 122. And don't forget, if you love this episode, it would mean the world to me. And it's the biggest compliment from you to me that you share it in any way you see fit. So thanks again for joining me. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. We'll talk to you next Thursday. Ciao.